Okay, well, let's do this. Let's get our Bibles out and turn to Luke 15 is where we'll be. Um, kind of have a familiar passage, but the thing about familiarity is sometimes it can breed contempt. So I want us, as we look at this, it's, I know you can't like pretend that you haven't heard it before, so I'm not asking that. Um, I think, though, that we would do whatever we can to look at it with fresh eyes. So like it is new, or see it in a different way than you saw it last time, maybe. Okay. So I'm going to start just in verse 1. And then we'll get into it. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to hear him. Who's the him? That's Jesus, right? And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. He's awful, right? We've talked about that at length, that they hate the fact that Jesus is like unholying himself by being with their culture, is the worst of the worst, okay? The only one worse than tax collectors and sinners would be Samaritans, probably. And Jesus hangs with them, too. So they hate that, all right? And before we gloss over that, because we can be like, how dare those Pharisees? They're awful, right? If I, let's not say me, if Jacob, let's say Jacob and Ashley, let's not, let's say, y'all are getting married, right? So let's say after they're married, they invite the guys over. Jacob invites the guys over for a guy's night, and it's a bourbon tasting night. Exciting, right? I'm pumped to go to this. I want to go taste bourbon with Jacob. That'd be delicious, and I'd be so pumped. Would I be the same excited if he says, hey, tonight we're having a guy's night. I invited a lot of my friends that live under the bridge, intends to come over to my house, we're all going to cook and celebrate that they're at my house tonight. Would I be the same excited to go? That's the question. Would we be the same excited to go if Jacob said, hey, there's some dudes that just got out of prison like yesterday, and, and so I'm welcoming them by having dinner at my house. Every Thursday, they're all invited. Austin, every Thursday? If, if, we're, if we have the same energy there, then we can grumble about the Pharisees grumbling. But we don't. We don't. One of them, would be easier for us to have something better to do. Right? The other one, we're like, yeah, that's normal to have folks drink bourbon at your house. That's normal. Let's do that. The other one's not normal. It's kind of extreme, Jacob. He kind of, whew, it's a little much. We have T-ball today. You know what I mean? So I want us to notice that we, we don't need to look down on the Pharisees too hard on this one yet. Okay? Just let's pay attention to ourselves. And this is, so he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he finds it, he lays it on, its shoulder, on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, I found the sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in the heavenlies over one sinner who repents over 99 righteous persons that don't need to repent. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the whole house and seek 
diligently until she finds it. When she finds it, calls together her friends and neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, I found that coin that was lost. Just so I tell you, there is more joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So we have these two quick stories to share, right? One is a shepherd in the field, has a hundred sheep, loses one, goes after it, right? What happens when the shepherd leaves the 99? They're exposed, right? Like, the shepherd really has to want that one, right? And it doesn't say 13 sheep got lost. It's one. It is one. And you know what? It might be the sheep's fault. The sheep might have been real dumb and just left, right? It's not that he was running too fast and they were going and he, like, got caught because he's like the runt sheep with the lame leg. We don't have that. He just may have just gone being an idiot, right? He may have gone being stubborn, may have gone just just in his folly, this stupid sheep, right? Leaves all the sheep, goes and finds it, brings it back, celebrates, is stoked about it, tells all his friends, right? Then we have this lady that has something more valuable than a sheep, 10 silver coins, right? We go from 99 or 100 to 10, we have these silver coins that were lost. One's lost. Searches the whole house like a crazy person. Finds it, tells all our friends. I'll tell you, one time, we, um, it was when I was working at a different job. It was very stressful. And on Sunday, I could not find my truck key at all. I had to be at work super, super early in the morning. We had this like huge inspection that was going to happen. It need, I needed to be there at like before 6, and it needed to work, and the day needed to go perfect, and I could not find my truck key anywhere in the house. It doesn't matter which one of us, if it was Lily or I that drove the truck last, but it's fine. We don't know. We don't know. It might have been Lily. It just might have been Lily. You never know. You never know. It might not have been me who didn't put the truck key back where I usually do it. Who, but, you know, that's beside the point. It doesn't matter, right? So the truck key was lost, and we could not find it, and we tore the house up. We looked in the fridge. I dug through trash. We could not find the truck key. We had to call a guy to come re... It doesn't matter what, how much money. We spent $600 making sure that I had a truck key for the next day because I didn't have a spare, so that's my fault. That, but that part's on me. And so we didn't have the spare. And then I told her, I was like, if you or the boys find that key ever, don't tell me. Just don't. We're not celebrating. There'll be no party. And then one of them accidentally told me they found it like two days later. And it was awesome. But... I know that's what that makes me think of, this terrible day in my life, where we tore a house up looking for this thing that was of great value to me, right, to us. And so we have this, like, escalating value. We have 99, or we have 100 sheep, I keep saying 99, 100 sheep, 1% of the sheep is lost, and it's a sheep. It's, like, important, it's a living thing, and it's value has value, but it's just a sheep. And we have a lady with coins that are very valuable, and there's only 10, and one gets lost. Then we have a story that a lot of us are familiar with, okay? It says, and he said, there was a man who had two sons. He has two kids. It says, and when the younger one came and said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided the property between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. What's, what's strange just from the outset of this story? 
Why, why would this be intriguing to the hearer? Okay? What's, what's strange about that? Or what strikes you as interesting? The Father gave it to him. I, I agree with that. That's, this, that. I have not noticed that until this reading of it this week. And been like, yeah, why would you give it to him? Just tell him no. Tell him it's not time. I'm not, first of all, he's not dead yet. I know you don't get this. I'm dead. This is kind of mine still. This is not yours yet. But he gives it to him. And uh, honestly, on that same note, I'm going to, yeah, Tiffany, I'm with you. But also, like, why did the father, the father knows what the son is going to do with it if he's asking for it then, right? The father knows what he's going to do with it. He knows he's probably not going to like, he's not probably like, dad, I have this great investment idea. I've been, I'm working up this business plan. I have it for you. Let's look at it together. Like, let's get some investors in on this. No, he is pining for the money. He just wants it right then, right? The younger son wants it then, and he gives it to him. What else is interesting about this story? Just the, the initial part. I'll say it, it is absolutely not common for a son to, to make a request that's almost like a demand to a father either. In this time, not the way you do it. Especially if you're the younger son, it's kind of, you are, you are the lesser son. You don't have the place, you don't have the voice to get to do that. But still, his boldness goes up to his father, asks for it, his father gives it to him, and what happens right after he gives it to him? Leaves him, right? He says, I'm, I'm out. Not many days later, son gathers all he had, went to a far country, and there squandered the property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, which what is the everything? All the father worked for his whole life. Maybe all that his father had given to him and some of what his father had given to him. It's like heritage. It's namesake. It's the shame of not having it anymore. This isn't just about being foolish with money, right? Later, the older son's going to say, you're throwing him a party when he spent all this money on prostitutes, but that's not even close to all it is. It's, it's in this time, and we can kind of get it now. I mean, me and Brian talked a little earlier about like our like storage chest of like heirloom things that we have from like our grandfathers or great-grandfathers that we think is special that might be a little odd or weird to everyone else in our house, but it's kind of neat to us, right? It's neat because it's us. Like our so-and-so touched it, right? So now we have it. This, this is to that exponential because of the like Middle Eastern shame that would happen if you treated your family's name wrongly. Like you are holding up the name from your great-great-great-grandfather and, and you're holding it for your great-great-great-grandchildren and you squander it. Like someone worked their tail off of it or tail off for it their whole life, gave it to your father. They worked to keep it and make it better and all these things. And then you get it and you just spend it recklessly when your father is alive. That's it too. The shame of that father knowing that now all that his family had worked for is gone from some disrespectful 
son who your town thinks you're crazy because you gave it to him. All of that added into the story. Everyone listening to that story would just be like, what is this kid doing? He has brought shame to his family to the exponential degree. What is going on here? Who is this kid? Who is he? Let's go find him. Let's make sure he gets... I mean, this is... This is not silly or funny. I mean, I, I remember hearing this story for the first time on like a felt board in Sunday school. Bigger than that. <laughs> Couldn't explain that on a felt board, really, you know? He goes, um, And when he had squandered everything, a severe famine arose in the country. And there he became, or he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who, spent, who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he longed to be fed with the pod that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. So he finds him himself. And now, if we're not in church, and this isn't a passage we've heard before maybe, or it's not Jesus saying it, I will, I will bet that the majority of us would say the son got what he deserved. More than likely. Oh, you squandered everything your father had? You took it when he's alive? And you embarrassed him in his town? You shamed your family name? You've done all this? Oh, yeah, yeah. You will eat with the pigs. That's what you deserve. That's what, that's what you have become. You've treated your family this way? Now you should do it. Enjoy it, right? And in the mind, especially of the Pharisees and the scribes, which is who Jesus is talking to, they, God is righteous here because the son got his. The comeuppance happened. We love it in every movie. We love it in every movie. We want the one that shames his family to like learn a lesson. And you know what the, the tricky thing is? Everyone else that's listening to the story wanted the son to learn his lesson. And, and what, how good is the lesson going to be? What punishment is right? Can't pay it back. There's, there's no Come up and s- enough for this. But everyone listening to the story, oh, whew, God is righteous. The son is getting his. That's what he deserves. I hope he eats that food with the pigs. I hope people see him do it and they laugh. I hope they tell his family so they know, oh, yep, don't worry. The shame is now being put on him, right? That would be righteous to them the ones hearing the story. But it keeps going. But when he came to his senses, being the son, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will rise again. I'm going to go to my father, and I'm going to say to him, it's the son doing this. He's like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Now, again, in the story, they would be like, oh, yeah, let's see how that goes. Let's see what happens when he goes to his father. Let's see how that happens, right? The Pharisees and the scribes, this is like delicious to them. Let's see. Let's see what the father's going to do. Let's see how he's going to just berate him. Let's see if he hurts him. Let's see if he kills him for what he's done to the family name, right? This is the time. This is totally fine to do. This is acceptable. Everyone would, would say, yeah, that was right. He did the right thing by doing that. And he goes 
to his father. He says, I'm, I'm doing this. I got to go. So he goes to his father. Um, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. And he ran and he embraced him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, no, I have a speech prepared. <laughs> Please, hold on. You're hugging me too hard. I've sinned. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. And then let us eat and celebrate. For my son was dead and is now alive again. My son was lost and now he's found. And they began to celebrate. And then the older brother, the older son who was out in the field, came and drew near to the house. He heard the music, heard the dancing. He called to one of his servants and asked, what are these things meant? He said to him, your brother's come home. And your father has filled the fatted, killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry. He refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you. I have never disobeyed your commands. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. And when this son of yours who's came back, who's devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him? And he said to him, Son, you've always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for your brother was dead, and now he's alive. He was lost, and now he's found. And I'll, I'll say I... I Depending on the season, I don't know what brother I am, right? Depending on the time. Sometimes I'm the brother that is so afraid, the son, say that, the son who's so afraid to go to the father because I feel like things are a disaster. I feel like I've wasted and squandered what's given to me maybe. I feel like I've handled a part of my life poorly that I wish I could have back. I feel like, how could I even ask to be a servant, right? And we go through seasons like that, and the story, if that's our season, says go to the Father, and He'll run to us. And He'll take off our smelling like pig clothes and put a robe on. And he won't say, all right, go wait for me to lecture you. He'll throw a party. And the party won't be a normal party. It'll be using something that the whole family will notice has value for. It'll be an absolute, wholehearted celebration that you don't deserve, that I don't deserve at all, not even almost. That's who the father is. So the father is to his children, right? And then other seasons, I'm the older brother who thinks my stuff is together, who thinks I've been doing just fine, who thinks, look at all the boxes I've checked, and yet this, this person gets to walk in and have all this joy and celebration or a promotion or thanksgiving or a party or people like them or whatever it is. Do you know who they really are? Father, are you joking me? And we, we feel like 
because we've done what we're expected to do all along, that 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 somehow puts us over someone else. That that makes us more the bourbon tasting party type than the tent under the bridge type of partiers. So we deserve something better. How? How? Why are you expecting me to do blank? Look all the good I've done, right? And so I don't know which brother you are. I don't know, I know which brother I am right now in this season of my life, but I don't know about you. I don't know. We're, we might be one or the other very distinctly. You might, you might notice too much pharisaical pride like butting up in your actions and your reactions and the things you say yes to and the things you say no to. And honestly, too, it may be that you are just the lost sibling who, you know, you might not be making an open mess of your life in front of everyone, but, but deep down you're like, I can't, God, my father might not run to me. Whichever one it is, or if it's a mix of both, the, the story is beautiful because this isn't a one-time story. It's how Jesus acts his whole life. And it's not, it's not just a Jesus life story. The Holy Spirit does that throughout the, the letters from Paul and through Peter's life and through James and through John being just sent to a weird island. Like All of this is the story. The gospel story is this. And its beauty continues in us and around us and like in the midst of the kingdom with us. And so we're about to have communion together and enjoy that. But I want us first, as you pray, to just, to just confront the story. Maybe for the first time in a while. Maybe for the first time ever really confronting the story. So let's pray together. God, you are good. And this honestly is how we know you're good. Because you are a father who runs to us when we are an active mess. Sometimes when we've come to our senses, sometimes you run before we have. And God, you're also a father who treats a brother who always knows the right answers and checks the boxes, also treats him with grace and dignity. And says, no, please celebrate with us. Doesn't say, then stay outside then. Have your way, but entreats the son and says, no, no, please celebrate when lost is found. Celebrate when dead is made alive. Celebrate. Do this with me. Do this with us. God, that, that makes this story beautiful. And it makes it worth hearing and thinking on again and again. In Jesus' name, amen.